0: Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me this morning and waking me up and for me having the activities of my limbs. I also want to thank my loyal listeners that faithfully either joined me on the show or listen to the episodes as we talk about them. You know, I hate to say I got to close my front door because it seemed like everybody and their mama want to be making noise. So give me one second. As I was doing my Facebook Live, I was listening to motorcycles running up and down the street and car- go and I'm like, for real, for real, Lord, for real but it's all good because you know what? That's another way of letting me know that people are living life. And that kind of takes us into what our topic is today. Today's topic has to do with suicide prevention. Now, many of you may not know, but the month of September has been deemed or coined as Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And that is when a lot of organizations basically promote different activities, different things within the community. Now, because of COVID, it's been kind of difficult for a lot of individuals to, to do anything. And because many individuals are still staying at home, many individuals' um, life is a, what they call it a new normal. So we're doing things a little differently. So, you know, there are things that are being done perhaps on Zoom Individuals, I don't know if they were doing their suicide walk, but I want to say that suicide is basically one of those things that individuals really don't have an answer for. Now, I myself, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. In addition to that, I'm also the owner of the Center for the Treatment of Addiction, which is an outpatient counseling center. There we do things that is focused around mental health substance use, abuse, addictions. We also focus on domestic violence issues, parenting issues, co-parenting, and child abuse intervention and prevention. And that's just to name a few of some of the services we provide. I'm also the owner of JA Precious, Inc., which is also an outpatient counseling center located in San Diego County. There, I do the same thing. I provide individual counseling services, mental health services, as well as work with children families, and adults to address a variety of issues. Now, when we talk about issues, that kind of go hand in hand with when we talk about the emotional, the mental health, the relational issues, that all can be connected when we talk about suicide. Now, suicide is a complex public health issue, and it requires the coordination and cooperation among healthcare providers such as myself, as well as other programs and facilities that are out there within the community, individuals and family members, and treatment services in the community. Suicide is preventable, but yet when a person is going through, it seems like there's no way out, but there is. Now, even though it is preventable, If all of us work together, we can increase the public's awareness of the public health issue and get individuals the support that they need. Now, I'm looking at something, and it's entitled save.org. And they are just one organization that is out there. But we're talking about awareness, and awareness is bringing things to people's attention. Now, I have a caller on the line. Let me log this caller on, and then I'm going to provide some information as well as resources. Hi, this is Smyrna. Welcome
1: to Praction Pediculus. How are you doing? Um, uh, great. This is Bob from the Whitsemley Islands and um I am well how can I put it uh, a survivor of um a long term depression bout, Um but not only a survivor, I found a roadmap through through depression and being suicidal. And for me now I look at it as the gift of depression, because it was the pain of depression that drove me to f- find my own solutions. And where I'm coming from now, um, depression is not an illness. It wasn't an illness. It was a, a spiritual wake-up call, a rite of passage, mm-hmm. and it was something I had to feel on my way through. And um, how can I put it? Yeah, the, the pain of depression was just a natural human response for me to having mm-hmm. to live in such, such a corrupt society, but also it was because I was living lie. I'd lost mm-hmm. the belief in myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I had a very violent know. childhood, mm-hmm. and so I knew I couldn't change my childhood, but I could go back and heal it. And healing the wounds of my childhood has been the most powerful work I've ever done. But wow. for me now... Um, you know, um, I've got a very, a very um, high IQ, very um, high intellect, um, but that was the trap because my, you know my mind was trying to think its way through this problem, um, whereas all I had to do was feel my way through it. All the, mm-hmm. all the abuse mm-hmm. I'd suffered, and all the the pain and that, all the feelings that I had as a child was still there, you know. So I just had a, feelings are healings. That's what works for me. Yeah. And, ha- yeah. and handing back, yeah. handing back mm-hmm. the abuse. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been trying to get this message out for years that, uh, if people look, like, if you can just bear with me for a minute, and um, I'll ask you to step out of your mind and step into your heart. And from where I'm coming from now, um. The greatest sin is to take the life of another person, yeah?
2: hmm Yeah?
1: Do you mm-hmm. agree? Yeah. The list, if it's not the greatest then it's it's pretty well up there on the list. So now I'll go to post-traumatic stress disorder, and, you know, anybody that goes to war and witnesses, you know, the death of another human being or actually kills another human being, that their soul knows that they've just committed the, the, the greatest sin. That's you know that's um, doable, mm-hmm. and then that manifests in the the physical world. They get all these physical symptoms, and that's payback for letting the mind overrule the heart. The heart mm-hmm. knew it was wrong, but the mind's been programmed that it's it's honourable and it's right, and you know. So, uh, can you see where I'm getting to? I, I, I hear
0: where you, know, I these, hear where you're going.
1: Yeah, all these so-called mental illnesses. For me, um, I'll drop a bomb. For me, there's no such thing as mental illness. Mm-hmm. The physical you know, symptoms displayed it, mm-hmm. are a result of, you know, um, emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. And, you
0: know,
1: in, 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 the
0: field, in the field that I am in, because I'm a therapist, we're just really learning the complexity of trauma. Of childhood trauma, Mm. because even though children are resilient, we're just learning that individuals, when you look at how they interact in relationships, their core belief systems, a lot of that stems from childhood because that is their blueprint of life. And yes, and and I want to thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you calling in. I really (coughs) do, and sharing your story and getting it out there. Because a lot of individuals don't realize they thought that suicide was more in older individuals or individuals that have a a terminal illness and they get scared. We have children committing suicide, teens committing suicide, individuals that are in domestic violence, high-risk relationships, people losing their jobs, individuals dealing Mm. with survivor's guilt. It's a lot of things that contribute to how powerful the mind can be in controlling one's thoughts and feelings and to create such an act. I remember a teenager when I was a social worker and I was working with this teenager and I'll never forget I mean he had been through so much and he was so disappointed, very disappointed and he told me that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. When that young man told me that, I knew he was going to be okay. But a lot of times when we think that individuals have found a way out, we got to also, we're going to talk about this on the show today, is to be aware of the risk and to also know the signs, know what to say and what not to say. But I want to ask yeah. you, could you share something? What helped you could get through share? that darkness that you were going through? Because some individuals yeah. have a thought, but don't act. And some people asked it didn't even just it was just out of the moment. So what helped you get through?
1: Okay, this is this is how I I broke the multi generational cycle of abuse. Um and thank God for John Bradshaw and his work on the inner child. Um, I got that to that stage in my own journey where um I hated mum. I hated my mum. This is mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety. So I'm I'm in my forties doing my you know, personal growth work. I hated Mum because she was always beating me, but you've got to love your Mum because you only got one Mum, and it was that dichotomy that was tearing my soul apart. So mm-hmm. I sat down... <coughs> sorry. And I wrote the letter to Mum. Dear Mum, we're loving son, Bob, I'm just writing to tell you how it felt for me as a child growing up in our family. And so I started it. I hated it when you uh dangling me by my wrist and beat me with a carpet sweeper i hate it when you hit me with a frying pan i hated it when you you know and i just i i thought it was going to be two or three pages but it ended up being about as thick as war and peace so i wrote it all i wrote it all
2: down
1: wrote it all down got it on paper got to the end of my story and then signed this is just my story please tell me your story Anyway, uh-huh. I'm in Australia. I was in England, and I posted it to her, and that was one of the hardest things I ever did. Uh-huh. And I literally got a, let- a letter back from mum saying, oh, oh, pop, you must think I'm the first mother in the whole world. Pop. And I wrote back and said, mum, this is not about blame. I need to hear your story. Uh-huh. Because for me, as a child, going back, the messages I got from my parents Mum's always beaten me, therefore she does not love me, therefore I'm unlovable, mm-hmm. and it's all my fault. And the, the other message that I got was, the world is a dangerous place. And then the message I got from Dad, who was never around, he was always working, when I never saw him, was, Dad never spends any time with me, therefore he does not love me, therefore mm-hmm. I'm unlovable, and it's all my fault. So those were the messages that I've ingrained, you know. And became my su- subconscious guiding lights, if you like. Anyway, wow. Eventually, a I, I letter back from mum. She was born in Germany in 1924 between the wars. Her dad was an alcoholic and mum was a control freak. There was mm-hmm. all this, you know. She had a horrific childhood too. And then the light bulb went off. Mum was doing her best. But what mm-hmm. she was doing, she was, she was dumping on me what got dumped on her.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so... With having heard her story, I could move through the anger and hate back to love. And then a couple of days later, I found her in England and she was back in the hospital with a second bout of bowel cancer, about mm-hmm. 30 years apart. And that was the first time we spoke as mother and son, as two adults. And, wow. You know, and the following day she died. And I thought, well, what a beautiful closure. And I'm walking around now like somebody's taking an elephant off my shoulders. Mm. Mm-hmm. Really light, you know. But there's still a niggle I still got a niggle in this shoulder here. Who's that? What's that? Right, Dad you bastard. So Well, so well see the God thing I, the thing is I
0: wrote a letter able, to Dad. Mm-hmm. You was able and to release that
2: thing.
0: You you was yeah, able to Well if to you don't hand it
1: back in person, oh my. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, a lot of times, and and like I said, a lot of times individuals hold on to things because they see no way out. As you're sharing your story, I'm looking around where I'm at, and I'm at my childhood home where I grew up. And um, like I said, I am a therapist, but my family had a history of suicidal behaviors, suicidal thoughts, depression, alcoholism, drug addiction. And a lot of times that do play a role. Now, I took a different side because... I wanted to break that generational curse because as a child, you feel helpless, and you don't know what to do, and you can't see a way out. See, my way out was getting married and moving to Oceanside, so I moved 84 miles away, but yet I didn't realize that those thoughts still follow individuals as well as those behaviors. Now, when we talk about suicide and even suicide prevention, suicide is one of the 10th leading cause of death in the United States and is the second cause of leading death after an accident. And individuals or people between the ages of 10 to 34, suicide is a serious public health problem. And we've even seen children younger than 10 have thoughts of suicide. I mean, years ago there was an 8-year-old who was bullied at school. Or, you know, um, we're seeing it in in kids, like I said, even with me being a therapist. Now, the information that I'm looking at, and they're talking about in the United States, nearly 45,000 individuals died by suicide at a rate that suicide has increased over the years, and an estimated 1.3 million adults attempt suicide each year, and that's according to the Center of Disease Control. Now, I am quite sure what's going on in our world in regards to relationship issues, domestic violence, child abuse, drug and alcohol addiction. Like you said, PTSD, not only just mental illness, but mental health, because they call it mental health, mental wellness. There's a lot of different things individuals are going through emotionally and spiritually. But they found that men are more than three times more likely than women to take their lives. And firearms yeah, are
2: common.
0: okay, we'll get to that. Common Uh, Method of suicide But they found that like I said Firearms are used in about half of all suicides But we're also seeing with Teenagers There's um, prescription drugs Individuals are overdosing Now what did you want to say in regards to the Comments that I just made
1: Yeah um, While I was My depression started in 1984 And um, I went through Over 20 years of different antidepressants, different psychologists, psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. I actually became a counsellor counselor myself. Um, and what I realised about the pharmaceuticals was that they work for a two or three months
2: and mm-hmm.
0: they
1: re- recreate the same, the same symptoms. So I, I compiled a, a spreadsheet of all the antidepressants I'd taken and listed all their effects. And there are no side yeah. effects, they're all effects.
2: And mm-hmm.
1: they've all got one common de- denominator. They yeah, often yes, they produce <laughs> suicidal thoughts, anxiety uh-huh. and depression. And we thought, well this is a no brainer. You know, these guys don't want cures, they want customers. Yep. And from and I've still researched this, I'm writing a book on it actually. Um that uh how could I put it? Every forty seconds somebody dies because of depression. Uh-huh. and if you look at global incidence of suicide the rate of incident you know it's it's almost an exponential curve but then if you look at the sales of antidepressants the curves nearly yeah. really match
0: yes they yeah
1: so there's a the bit message
0: and you know what you know, in a modern it's They don't realize that. I tell individuals, appeal is not going to solve your problem. Now, I do know that in some cases, medications may help if the person has a chemical imbalance. So I tell individuals to educate and advocate, meaning educate yourself, share, journal, advocate for yourself. Don't just pop a pill and think that things are going to be okay. And a lot of parents, because like I said, being a therapist, I get phone calls and I always get calls from parents about where well, my child is depressed and having anxiety. I'm like, okay, so they're depression, they're depressed and they're having anxiety. What's going on? You know, and a lot of times the parents are reluctant to share because they don't want to seem like a bad parent, but they want the therapist to fix the situation. And that's not always the case. Now, I want to share some information, and I indicated that suicide is preventable, but knowing the risk factors and recognizing the warning signs for suicide can help prevent it. Now, some of the risk factors and warning signs and protective factors, now, suicide is linked to mental orders, but not the cause, because particularly with depression and alcohol use disorder, which is one of the things that we talked about, and the strongest risk factors for suicide is previous suicide attempts. Now, alcohol also plays a role because alcohol is a depressant, and sometimes when individuals are drinking, they can become very careless, or they can do things, and other emotions come up. Now, you you indicated or you spoke on that a little bit, but can you elaborate on that a little bit more in regards to just the depression and the alcohol use? Because I know my mother was an alcoholic prior to her developing breast cancer and passing away, but I still believe that part of her passing away was her taking her own life through the use of taking pills because she had slipped into a deep, deep depression, and she still didn't stop drinking, even though she had cancer.
1: Yeah, well, I'll I'll respond to two topics. Um, The first one that uh, hit me was talking about anxiety and anxiety in adult life. Now I trace my anxiety back to just going back to my childhood and sitting in those those early years and feeling mm-hmm. how I felt. And when when mum was in one of her rages, I used to go and hide in the airing cupboard, and and sh- she would be fighting downstairs with dad. So mm-hmm. you know, that's and if I wasn't being and I was also beaten a lot. So it's like that's where my anxiety came from okay. and it, it sort of it it sort of lived in my subconscious and i took it through into adult life and i'd be walking around and the hairs on the back of my neck would stand up it was as if there was somebody behind me with a knife that was about to attack
2: me and mm-hmm. the cause
1: of it was the cause of it was the the environment that i experienced as a child and
2: mm-hmm. the example
1: i give to everybody is if you look at a toddler you know, when they're just starting to walk. And we, you know, we've all, and they've got their arms and fingers outstretched and the world's mm-hmm. a wonderful and magical place. And that's how we're born here. That's how we right. came into this. Is we were born magical and wonderful. But by the time mm-hmm. that toddler toddler's seven or eight years old, all the magic's beaten out of them by the system. That, yeah. And so that's where the damage is done. That's mm-hmm. where the damage is done. And, you know, you know, and if you don't look back, you pass it on.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and you're
0: speaking on thing that. and that I and learned the, about
1: childhood mm-hmm. abuse was it sets people up for addictive behavior.
0: Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And see, individuals don't realize that children that witness domestic violence, that the impact that it has on them. And sometimes, especially even with teenagers and even young young children, they don't see a way out when they're when they're in a toxic relationship or a volatile relationship, and their environment does play a role now the center the suicide prevention resource center defines the risk factors, and warning signs as with the risk factors are more characteristics that make it more likely that an individual will consider attempt or die by suicide. Another thing that um, a risk factor, because there's several risk factors in addition to just the mental health, just the um, domestic violence, substance use, also the death of a loved one. Sometimes when family members experience the loss of a loved one, and now that we got COVID going on, and individuals are dying at a very high rate, some individuals, the families that are grieving, Are becoming losing a sense of hope, or having a sense of hopelessness. Um, Warning signs indicate an immediate risk of suicide, and protective factors are characteristics that make it less likely that individuals will consider an attempt suicide or die by suicide. Now, another thing that's important is to know the risk factors is previous suicide attempts, a history of suicide in a family, substance misuse. Mood disorders such as depression, which you talked about, bipolar disorder. Access to lethal means, meaning keeping firearms at home. Losses and other events. For example, the breakup of a relationship we found. Death is what I just indicated. Academic failures. Legal difficulties, financial difficulties, and bullying. History of trauma or abuse. Chronic physical illness included chronic pain exposure to suicidal behaviors of others. And I want individuals to know that are out there listening, if you need help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Line at 1-800-273-TALK or go to www.suicidepreventionlife.org and click on chat. And there are individuals that are out there to help. Now, so what would you want to say or what would you like to add in addition to what we're talking about?
1: Yeah, there's another organization that I'm um, becoming involved with, and I think it's um, the American Society of Adult Survivors of Childhood Abuse. Um, Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. But,
0: um... And then we also have Nami. Nami is another one. And with September being the month that many individuals or organizations acknowledge suicide prevention, they provide a awareness to the public. And this is something that we need to do more than just during the month of September. It needs to be ongoing. You don't want to give individuals the idea, but you want to let them know that people there are people that care. There are individuals that are organizations that are providing resources to help individuals get through. Now, I want to share with the listeners some of the warning signs of suicide. Often talking or writing about death, dying, or suicide. And a lot of parents are seeing this in their children. You know, they're noticing their children are journaling. They're noticing their children are losing hope. They're seeing a lot of fear. And so a lot of parents are reaching out and connecting if kids as young as two and three years old are experiencing these things, making comments about being hopeless, helpless, or worthless, expressions of having no reason for living, no sense of purpose in life, saying things like "I would be" or "It would be better off if I wasn't here" or "I don't, I want out," increased alcohol or drug misuse, withdrawal from family and friends in the community. Reckless behaviors or more risky activities seemingly without thinking, if you see a dramatic mood change, talking about feeling trapped or being a burden to others. Those are just some of the other um, factors, and there are more. What were some of the risks or the warning signs that you were exhibiting, sir, that you knew, I need to give me some help?
2: Um
1: The realisation that um, I sat down one day, you know, after going to uh, therapists and counsellors and psychologists and psychiatrists for years, I sat down one day and asked myself this question, Bob, what's the longest relationship you've ever had in your life? And the answer was obvious. It was with me. Ergo, Mm -hmm. why am I listening to other people telling me that there's something wrong with me? Let's sit with this pain. Let's have a look at it. And, and that's when the light bulb went off and I suddenly realized that this pain was just a natural, you know, the loving, living, spiritual, essential essence of the human being that was me, that is me, um, was feeling this pain because it it Mm -hmm. was forced to live into such a corrupt society. But also, and the second key element was that I wasn't living in truth. I'd lost my belief in myself and mm-hmm. I, I went back and tried to recall my earliest recollection of when I stopped believing with me, in me. when mm. I was about four and three quarters of years old. It was a Sunday morning. And I bounced out of bed and combed my hair and brushed my teeth and put on my red T-shirt and went down for for breakfast. And mum said, Bobby, go, up, go back and put your blue T-shirt on. You know you love your blue T-shirt. So I stood up confused, thinking, well, no, I love my red T-shirt, but mum says I love my blue T-shirt. So she must be right because she's mum and she's angry Mm -hmm. and violent. And that was my first recollection of a habit that started developing from then. I started to believe what other people said about me. And Mm. so once I made that realisation, I went back, and this is all part of healing the wounds of childhood and re-establish my belief in myself. I spent the first 40 years of my life chopping off pieces of me to fit Mm -hmm. into this society. And I spent the last, well, I'm 68 now and going great. Um, Mm -hmm. But I spent the last 20 years going back, gathering up all those pieces of me that I chopped off because I now know that all of me is okay. I'm all right as I am. And as far as addictions go, I'm still working on a couple of addictions, but the addictions uh, just come from that message I got as a child. I was born cesarean, and mum never forgave me for the scar on her belly. And she often Mm. said things to me like, if it it wasn't for you, I could be out having fun. Wow. You know,
0: it's interesting you said that. I still do that to my daughter. Wow. I, I tell her yeah, that because it, of it was, my weight. I said, if it wasn't for you, i have a flat belly. If it wasn't for you, wow. Okay. And your but, mom would tell you was,
1: that i a car. Wow. It, it was that message. So for me, the root, the root cause of all addictions is I still not, do not love myself enough. At some level, I know I am killing me, which mm-hmm. is what Mum wanted me to do. She didn't want me to be there. Mm-hmm. so that's the root cause for me for addictions, I do not love myself enough
2: mm-hmm. S-
1: still uh, you know, um, this journey I'm on, it is a journey but I'm 68 mm-hmm. um, and I'm totally content with me and if anybody wants to contact and talk about this uh, my name is Bob Eden E-D-E-N and you can find me on Facebook Uh um I'm writing a little book called uh, The Gift of Depression, My Little Scrapbook, Um, because since I reclaimed my authentic self, and how can I put it, I have a a higher connection to creation, to source. Uh, I don't own a pair of shoes. Um, I haven't had a TerraVision or TV since Mm -hmm. 1995. I drink rainwater. I still go dancing naked in the rain, you know, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, there is, there is life beyond depression. And when I was there running a the group. Um, and
0: you know what, Bob, Bob I'm going to ask you to do something. If you found me yeah? on Facebook, I want you to tap me or inbox me your information so I can post it on my link so that individuals <clears throat> can read or find you because we talk about depression, depression is no joke. And it is it's something that individuals battle with in silence because a lot of individuals are ashamed and don't want to tell anyone what they're feeling. And I always tell them, your feeling is not a fact. And, you know, yeah. and like I said, as a therapist, I do my best to share information, provide resources to try to help individuals get through. So if you like I said, I don't know if you found me on Facebook in regards to the link, but you can find me at on Facebook by under Jeanette Brooks slash apney and send me your information I just because I that. do want to share it. J E A N J E A N E T T E and then Brooks B R O O K S Hyphen Happening, a B isn't boy anyway. And in box up. And you can
1: look me up too. Uh, Both okay, I, know, it's I just wrote
0: that down because I like that the gift of depression by basically taking what you got and working through it. I tell individuals you may not get over something, but you can get through it. I mean, like I said, as a therapist, I've known firefighters to jump off bridges. My son was just talking about one of his friends just recently that they found him on, well, he was walking on the freeway and got hit by a semi-truck and then by another vehicle. I mean, we're losing people of all ages in regards to the way they're feeling and giving up. Now, if you see or you think that someone is considering suicide, listen, and again, listen and take their concerns seriously don't be afraid to ask yeah. questions about the plans and let them know you care you don't want to interrogate them but you want to let them know that you care and that they're not alone and encourage them well, to seek help don't demand or give them ultimatums or things of that nature but encourage them to seek help immediately from a knowledgeable professional don't leave them alone. So don't tell them, well, if you go do it, do it. I got some insurance. You know, be careful with what you say. The CDC gives yeah, five well. tips on what you can do if you're concerned about a friend or a loved one. One is ask someone you are worried about if they're thinking about suicide. And while individuals may be hesitant to ask, research shows that this is helpful because then they'll know someone else is noticing. Try to keep them safe. Reduce access to lethal means for those at risk and be there with them. Listen to what they need. You may not be able to give it to them, but at least listen to them or help them find the resources. Help them connect with ongoing support and stay connected by follow-up to see how they're doing. And I find that interesting, Bob, because just yesterday I was on, um, not yesterday, but it was Friday night. I was on Facebook, and there was a guy, and I'm going to say his name was Larry, and I was looking at his Facebook post, and it kind of looked like, okay, this is a problem. And I thought it was a friend of mine that I had been knowing for over 27 years. So I told him, I said, well, I'm going to give you a call in the morning. So as I kept reading his post, and I was responding back and forth, back and forth, I realized I need to give my friend a call now. So I called my friend at midnight. He was like, good morning. I said, so what's going on? I see you posted some things. So I know your father-in-law passed away recently, and, you know, our friend passed away in April, so I'm just checking up on you. He said, I didn't post nothing on Facebook. The whole time I thought it was him, it was another person. But like I told my daughter, when I told this other man I was going to call you, I had to follow through, and I did that. I called him, not that day, but the following day on Messenger because he was like, thank you for caring. Thank you for reaching out. I'm talking to a total stranger, not realizing at first that this was not the man who I thought it was. But just the mere fact that I cared changed his perspective his perspective on things. But I did follow through by calling him like I said I was. Because, and I heard my pastor preaching about this the other day on Facebook, sometimes people need to hear your voice. They don't want to text message. They don't want to. They want to hear your voice. Any comments in regards to that, Bob?
1: Yeah, with my own support groups that I um, used to run, um, and as a counselor, I suppose. Um, and I went to. <laughs> I got my degree in counseling through the the hard school of life, but. The most powerful healing tool that I had in my toolbox was simply to sit with that person Mm -hmm. and and try and maintain eye contact and just Mm -hmm. adopt a posture of acceptance and validation of their own reality. How Mm -hmm. are you feeling right now? And they'd say, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And I would just accept and validate that oh, that must be very hard for you, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's all about acceptance and validation. And phrases like, oh, come on, suck up, get with the program, you know, they yeah. are so dangerous. Because Correct. what's happening for that person is very real. And so mm-hmm. one of my little bumper stickers is, you know, I do not come here expecting agreement because we're all unique. All mm-hmm. I expect your acceptance correct. and validation of my own reality correct and that,
0: and you and you that, know that, Bob that posture
1: especially
0: so Mhm, and you know Bob especially in adults and teenagers when we see relationship issues or the breakup of a relationship or like you said earlier people living in domestic violence situation and childhood trauma those relational issues it's where a lot of individuals feel a lack of trust and that pain is horrible because they think that they can't live without them. You know, we have blended families, extended families, single parenting, you know, we have fathers that it's not that they don't love their children. They just may not be able to be in a civil relationship or struggle with the relationship that they have, the person, the baby by And I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but yet it's, a way of life. These things are actually happening. And individuals are committing suicide. Now, we know that suicide, by definition, is fatal. And suicide also affects the health of others in the community. And when individuals die by suicide, their family and friends often experience the shock, anger, grief, and depression themselves. But then sometimes individuals feel like I'll get them back. I'll pay them back. And that's not the way to go about things. Like you said, Bob, you wrote a letter to your mother. I had to let my mother know how I felt about her behavior. And I didn't internalize it because I realized she was going through some things. And I could not make her problem my problem or her crisis become my crisis. But yet I had to live with what she was dealing with, going through. In a way that I had to find out, find what was gonna work for me. And a lot of times individuals have a hard time doing that. Now, when we start talking about not only what it does to individuals, but there's an economic toll of suicide on society, is also immense as well. Suicide and suicide attempts cost the nation approximately seven billion dollars a year. And lifetime medical and work loss costs alone that is huge and individuals who attempt suicide and survive may experience serious injuries such as broken bones and sometimes organ failures especially if it's by pills or whatever method that they try and the injuries can have long term effects on their health and individuals who who survive suicide attempts can also have depression and other mental health problems. In addition, the number of individuals who are injured or die, many other individuals are impacted by or know someone who dies or personally experienced suicidal thoughts. Now, a lot of times, let's talk a little bit about the thoughts versus the behavior. Because there are some individuals that I heard that have the thoughts but they don't they don't plan on doing it. they're just feeling some kind of way. Let's speak on that a little bit about the suicidal thoughts.
1: yeah, well, <clears throat> for me the how can I put it it was it was my mind was just working, trying to you know think it think my way through depression. And that's mm-hmm. when I realised that, you know, um, the greater the intellect, the the greater the the more complicated the answer that just begat another question. And it wasn't until I learned how to silence my mind mm-hmm. that I could finally start listening to my heart.
2: And it mm. was my
1: heart that guided me through the rite of passage that is depression, and that. I had to do it by feeling. So I was living on my boat at the time and I'd, I'd thrown my antidepressants away. or in cold turkey. And then mm-hmm. I just let every feeling that was trapped within me just come out. So I shouted and screamed and swore and, you know, ranted and cried for weeks. And But I just got all those feelings out. And I think that's one of the biggest obstacles. Um, you know, people are... are Afraid of the power of the feelings that they're having and so they go to antidepressants to medicate mm-hmm. that pain mm-hmm. now for me for me, on the topic of antidepressants I think there are, there is a short term place for them they're a crutch not a wheelchair mm-hmm. but they're just some breathing space to take the edge off those overwhelming feelings but the healing actually comes from expressing the feelings. For me, psychiatrists um, give you pills to medicate the pain.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Psychologists give you coping skills to live with the pain. But for me, you don't have to. You can, you can move through the pain by healing through feeling and Mm -hmm. totally get out of depression and suicidal thoughts you Know, um, and and this mental health industry is an absolute fraud, it's a scam, as I said, mm-hmm. they don't want customers, they want cures. Um, some you mean they don't want like, cures, they
0: want customers, kind of said it backwards, yeah, right? yeah, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: and um, and, and you know, and the thing is, and they make billions of dollars off of psychotropic medication and experimenting on individuals, and that doesn't mean that. There are individuals out there that are not chronically depressed. I'm not gonna minimize that because being in the field I see it. But then also I'll never forget I had a doctor tell me, because I have lupus. And, you know, and with lupus, I don't take medication, which is the an anti malaria drug, and I'm like, If well, I ain't got malaria, why am I gonna take that? And I noticed and I'll never forget the doctor told me, my rheumatologist said to me Jeanette, individuals do not die from illnesses. They die from complications from medication. And I don't take medications for it. I know people that do, and some individuals are in worse shape taking the meds. So I just found alternative ways to live with what I have to deal with. But then sometimes individuals can be in so much pain they so they'll rather, it's like if, even if somebody gave you a placebo, how do you even know if it's working? Now, I want to talk about the ideation of thoughts a little bit. And that is thinking about considering or planning suicide. The range of suicidal ideations varies from fleeting thoughts to extensive thoughts to detailed planning. Now, we start talking about that most individuals who have suicidal thoughts do not go on to make suicidal attempts. But suicidal thoughts are considered a risk factor. Several years ago, they did a study, and it was, an est- it was estimated that 8.3 million adults age 18 and over in the United States, or about 3.7.5% of the U.S. population reported, having suicidal thoughts in the previous year. An estimated 2.2 million in the U.S. reported having more suicidal plans. Now, suicidal thoughts are also common amongst teenagers. And we see it in children. And ideation is generally associated, again, with depression and mood disorder. However, they seem to have association with many other mental illnesses, life events and family events, all of which may increase the risk of suicidal ideation. Now, currently, there are a number of treatment options for those experiencing suicidal ideation. Now when we start talking about um different things and like you said, talking about it, coming up with resources, knowing that people care, knowing that there's a way out, you know, so there's certain things that you can um do, but you want to get the help. But some of the signs that you wanna that you see again is the hopelessness, insomnia, oversleeping, loss of appetite or overeating, depression, severe anxiety impaired concentration, psychomotor agitation, panic attacks, and loneliness. So those are just some of the things that, you know, people see or individuals notice. And I want to say, Bob, I just got the message, so thank you very much. I got my phone in my hand, so thank you. So when we start seeing these things and going through these things, we have to be mindful and we also have to we also have to be aware. Just be aware. Don't ignore your symptoms and don't ignore the signs and symptoms of your loved ones. Bob, let's talk about what happens sometimes when individuals feel ignored. Bob, you still there?
1: Yeah, sorry. I had my microphone muted.
0: Um, (laughs) No problem. Let's talk about some of the things that happen when we ignore the signs and the symptoms of individuals. Because that can't happen. Because we'll think, oh, this is just so-and-so. They'll get over it. Or you know what? They do this all the time. I'm not going to worry about it. And then something happened, and now we got a problem.
1: Yeah, well, being ignored is like being abandoned and, you know, As a child, being abandoned by your parents is one of the most traumatic experiences that a child can go through. Because I remember when I was about four years old, I lost contact with my mum in the supermarket. And I was absolutely terrified. I was absolutely terrified, Mm -hmm. you know. So being ignored is just adding... if If you're ignoring somebody that's, you know, in a bad way, then that's just adding adding to their pain adding to their trauma that they're going through Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and and as a sufferer by ignoring the pain you're feeling it's like your heart is going to keep slapping you until you awake wake up and start listening to it Mm -hmm. you're going to stop listening to the mind and stop living the program you know this is how you're supposed to live you you, know, you need to start living how you want to live.
2: Mm-hmm. Live what's
1: in your heart. Live your dream. I've got mm-hmm. the phrase that uh, whatever is not nurturing for me, I simply call the beast, and I no oh, longer feed wow. the beast. Mm-hmm. So in my life, if there's anything approaching me that's not nurturing for me, well, I don't go there. You know, mm-hmm. I don't go there. Yeah, you know, jobs, relationships, and most people end up in dysfunctional adult relationships that just mirror the environment of their childhood.
2: How wow. many women have you
1: said, I think mm-hmm. I married my dad?
2: Mm-hmm. Or, or,
1: or, yeah, yeah. That is true. This, this and one, you know
0: what? And a lot this, of times people don't realize that, that they do mirror and they repeat this because that, that's what they're familiar with. That's what they know. And that's the sad part about it is they, and that's why it's so complicated and such a complex issue because individuals find it difficult to break a generational curse. That's all they know. It's home it's to them. It's home to them. Mm-hmm. That's true. And when and, and we talk about the dangers of ignoring signs of suicide or the thoughts, whether it's with someone you know, and you kind of, you know, to the side, or even your own thoughts, because if you don't, if you ignore it and you don't do anything about it, it's going to fester, it's going to grow, it's going to gnaw at you, and it's going to cause more problems in regards to the danger. Now, I'm looking at some information, and this is coming from relevantmagazine.com, and it indicates that as a young adult with suicidal thoughts, and the young and the adult could be in danger. And that is because many individuals have been there, especially as a young adult, because most young adults are going through this transition in life. You know, they're still trying to figure out who they are. They're still trying to, you know, their their age, the stage, their development, their mind is not fully developed until they're 25. You know, so now people are telling that they're adults, they, they got all these responsibilities on them, that individuals weren't even prepared for because they did not prepare them for it, and then boom, we got a truck, we got a problem, because no one is immune. There is a stereotype of someone who will commit suicide, and they call them weak. They're not weak, they're not irrational, they're not ill, they're not uneducated, they're not impoverished, none of those are true, those are myths. So when we start talking about what they're going through, it is real. So what you want to do is you want to watch for little things that you may see or hear. And while many um, suicides are preceded by what they call a call for help comments, you want to make sure you pay attention. You also want to be aware of uncharacteristic moodiness. One of the main contributors of suicidal tendency is the Onslaught of depression because we keep bringing up this depression, the feeling down, feeling hopeless, feeling worthless. So when you start hearing those things, that's a problem. But on the flip side is the aggression. Um, you unusual bouts of rage, uncontrolled anger, and attacks on others are also red flags. Often these outbursts are cries for attention for help, but regrettably. They seldom accomplish the intended result of the offender. So not only do we want to look for the depression, we want to look for the aggression, we want to look for the abuse. With the abuse, a person who usually doesn't partake of alcohol or drugs or prescription medication or uses them sparingly, if you notice that they're looking for it more as a way of escape, that's a problem. Withdrawal. If you see individuals that normally, you know, they're bubbly, participating in things, all of a sudden they're isolating themselves, it's a problem. Tragedy, as we indicated earlier, the loss of a loved one, family member, close friendship or relationship, sometimes that could be overwhelming for some, but not all. But like I said, those are some of the things we need to look out for. Don't ignore it. Be a listening ear. And if you are the one experiencing these things, go get somebody to talk to. And, again, I'm going to put out the information for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number, 1-800-273-8255. It's free. It's confidential. You can also text, because most individuals are into texting, connect to 741741. Bob, anything else you want to share as we're talking about this subject?
1: Yeah, I've come to the conclusion that I am the only expert on my life. Mhm. Yeah, and it's it's doing the work. You know, heal yourself, heal the planet. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's carrying wounds with them. Um, and the majority of people are just trying to live with the wounds, well, you know, just go back and heal the wounds, and you don't have to to carry them. If you don't hand it back, you pass it on. And Mm -hmm. I'm just a simple bloke. and If I can find my way through, um, you know, over 20 years of feeling suicidal, then everybody can. Just don't believe that there's no such thing as mental illness. Here's a Mm -hmm. statistic for you. Jeanette, um, the American population accounts for about 5% of the world's population and mm-hmm. yet they consume over 90% of the world's pharmaceuticals, most of which are antidepressants.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, America, you know, I'm not being judgmental, these are facts. America is a pill-popping society. Mm-hmm. But natural remedies, you know, is, is a remedy for, that I've found that works and it probably work for your lupus thing, um, Jim Humble's MMS. I've always got some of that in my cupboard because it fits mm-hmm. everything that Western medicine can't. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> please I feel think i <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. But please feel free, anybody that wants to chat about this, because there is a way through. and
2: mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, humanity is waking up. And I see depression as a, and the increase in depression as a good mm-hmm. sign, because the more people that actually suffer the pain of depression, then the more people are going to come to the same realization that I have, and mm-hmm. soon those numbers will reach the tipping point, and that will be the total end of, you know, suffering in that arena mm-hmm. for humanity.
0: Mm-hmm. See so my thing good- like I said with pills is when you take an appeal for this, appeal for that, appeal for this, appeal for that, you got all these big old pills. My auntie used to call them her I don't give a damn pill. And see, like I said, I come from a family of peel poppers. So mm-hmm. I kinda don't care for the peel thing. Now I got someone calling in. Let me log them in. They call like two minutes left in the show. But hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Pediculus, number in six eight. What would you like to add to the show? As we're talking about hey,
2: Hey, can you hear me? Yes, I can hey, how you doing today how you doing Good? hope you're doing good. I'm doing well.
0: um, and what do you want to add to the show? I know we got like two minutes left on the show. You call towards the end of the show, but what would you like to add as you're yeah. talking about suicide prevention?
2: Yeah, I've been in those situations where 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 you felt like taking I felt like taking my own life. I've been in those situations before, and I've come really close to doing it but I think that the part of me that was really wanting attention got that attention because I was able to, <clears throat> to, to 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 let somebody outside of myself know that there was something wrong and they were able to they were able to understand that there wasn't some there was something wrong something was amiss so there was interve- there was intervention involved mm-hmm. because because I was able to communicate even though i didn't know that i was communicating outside of myself i, I felt like there was a hopeless helpless situation uh, but there uh-huh. are people there are there was people outside that were that were uh able to 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 recognize something and so there was intervention and that's that intervention is exactly what i needed because i'm here uh-huh. today to talk about it mhm uh-huh. so I just well, want to say that when, 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 when you're in a situation where you feel hopeless, there's there's always hope. There's always mm-hmm. hope. And when you don't when you don't have hope, you you're a danger to yourself and other people. But when mm-hmm. you have hope, then you're not. You're not Correct. because because you have under you have understanding about something that you didn't have before, and thank God, that the intervention was there Because God loves you
0: Mm-hmm. Well I know we got 27 seconds left on the show I want to give the listeners some information As we're talking about this And this talks about suicide prevention tips And some of the tips That they talk about is first Know the signs. Some of the things we talked about Don't discount your feelings Or the other person's feelings We talked about that too we also gotta look at look at suicide as a cry for help because when a person attempts suicide, this isn't necessarily a sign that they wanna die. Instead, it's an indicator that there is a great that they're in great emotional pain. But don't we don't know how to deal with the pain, nor do they. And suicide has started to look like their only option to escape their situation. So we wanna let them know that there are other options available. Be a good listener and encourage the individual to get help for their, whatever it is they're going through. If it's a relational issue, if it's a mental health issue, if it's a psychological, whatever it is, encourage them. Don't give them ultimatums. Don't give them long lectures, but use encouragement. Also, don't be afraid to ask about their suicidal feelings. Let them tell you what's going on. And if they are in danger, please don't leave them alone. And encourage the individual to seek mental health professional. And also know that secrets can kill. So whether it's child abuse, whether it's emotional abuse, spiritual abuse, whatever it is, secrets can kill. And one of the things... I've learned as a therapist from working with individuals that experience trauma is they learn to give people their secrets back. They learn to let it go so that they can start their healing process because hope is available. Bob, I want to thank you for calling in. Way busy. It sounds like that's you. I'm not sure, but it sounds like it. (laughs) I want to thank you for calling in. I haven't heard in a while. And I want to thank you for joining us here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk. Radio. Now, tomorrow's show, I kind of really still don't know what I want to talk about. So, I guess whatever was placed on my heart, we'll talk about it. So, again, you can join me tomorrow at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio at 1130 AM. I kind of want to talk about more fellowship because some of the churches are starting to open back up and individuals are still kind of hesitant of whether to go or not go. But yet, when we talk about fellowship. How can we fellowship amongst one another? Because some individuals have taken on this. I'm a Zoom member, but we do want to make sure that we're still praising and worshiping him and trusting and believing in God because we see we can't trust and believe in other people. So, again, thank you for joining us here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. And until tomorrow or next week, topic, remember you got this. And thank you, Bob, and I'll go over the information that you sent me. I appreciate you. Bye-bye.